So to put my ears in. Oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, good. Good. Got my coffee. Hi, Ricky. <laughs> I was going to say, can you hear the percussive tones? Mm-hmm. The nail gun. Putting together these Lovely. kind of a cool, fast project. The Miller Room has always been basically just chaos around the operator area. There's like one workbench. There's like a tool cart. And that's basically it. So there's like no work surfaces to like, I don't know. There's no way to be organized, it seems like. And so since we built that room with like open stud walls, I'd always intended to like put something between them because it's just plastic on one side. So we were going to cut some stuff the other day and I just threw together all these little tool holder holders and then like an organizing rack. That's what he's nailing together right now is like, these little things that'll go in between the studs to organize tools. So that we get rid of the cart because yeah, cool. it's just kind of taking up floor space underneath this corner. doesn't really work very well in there. It's a pretty small booth you've made, right, around yeah. the machine? Yeah. It's like yeah. It's like we took and added, like, not quite half a meter around it on two sides and <laughs> a meter and a half on the other side. <laughs> it's not much. That's cool. It does look like a very neat little room, though. Yeah, it, it's satisfying. It makes it feel fancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks good on the gram. Yeah, right. I've always intended to light it better, but I try to put some strip lights <laughs> across the top, and it like I thought it was going to shine down it better, and it never really did. Yeah, that can be a bit hit and miss that twin yeah. wall core suit. Uh-huh. It can make it look pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. What are you up to? Oh, noodling around. It's Saturday morning at a Thursday night after work. I came back here with my daughter and we made a few little projects for home. Mm. And then I got got back home and tried to assemble the thing we'd made. <laughs> we'd made some parts on the pencil sharpener. And I got home. I was like, well, this is not actually going to go together. The thread tolerance on these is stuff like way too loose these threads are just stripping out and so i had a sort of slight moment of panic of like thinking about how many hours the pencil sharpener has done this week of production parts and then i was holding these parts in my hand of like these are rubbish oh i was just like put them down i'll look at them when i go into record on saturday morning panic 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 (laughs) (laughs) just imagining like this this huge pile of parts that i knew was sitting there anyway so i came in this morning and checked poked around and i think we do have an issue it's not as bad as i thought it was but i think we've got more tool run out you know as i've spoken about before that Mm -hmm. the the run out adjustment on the pencil sharpener tends to just involve beating things with a stick (laughs) and i think we've the run out might have crept and we haven't been qcing it 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 might be at a point it might be at a point where it's past its tolerance range. Anyway, I'll look at it more in more detail next week. But crisis yeah. averted, I think. But we probably need to go through and check a few hundred parts as well and just actually mm. QC them. So yeah, we'll see. But it did. It got me thinking about QC processes and the fact that we don't really have any. Mm-hmm, yeah. When I used to run the pencil sharpener for production, I used to have this like 
test that I did where I'd take two parts, put them in a shelf and like try and talk them as hard as I possibly could. And if I couldn't strip them, then I was like, QC passed. <laughs> and if I could strip them with my grip strength, then it was like, fail. Sorry. The gem standard. Ooh. Does it break? Can I climb on it? All those classic names. Oh, now, now I'm dreaming like ways you could like have a little offshoot so they'd stay in an order and you could see like where you needed to go back to where they're trash cool. at. Yeah. When you do like longer yeah. rods, how do those unload? Hand rod load? fall into a pile on the floor. That's like a pile of pickup sticks. Yeah, basically. The dust collection's so poor on that machine that it leaves like this beautiful nest of stringy chips on the floor that like <laughs> soft act as soft fall as the parts fall into it. You should use that as packaging material. Yeah, good. So yeah, crisis That's... averted for now, I think. But we'll see. Yeah. No, that's terrifying. I mean, I've had those moments happened last year, well, the last couple of years, I think it was last year, where the router just had always been basically spot on on its like X and Y dimensions for whatever it needed, yeah. you know, like 10 or 20 thou, pretty good for a router. And, and then all of a sudden it was just like parts were coming out like different. And we were like, oh no. Because in one particular case, it was like a rerunning this customer's part. And he had noticed it when he stacked them up and they weren't lining up. And I was like, oh, huh, what? Why aren't they lining up? You know, like one would be a little bit off. And so we did like a whole yeah. walk back through all the things. And one of the things that Chopsaber recommended was to replace the like little bearings at the end of the axes. And there's shims in there, I guess, too. And I, I didn't touch any of this. Somebody did it. And it's not here anymore, but wrote it down and they're really good about helping you through those things. So that mm. fixed most of that inaccuracy, but I just, now I'm thinking like, Oh, how long until that happens again? You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm. Do you do any, like if you're machining a customer part, do you do any post machining verification? Do you have if any? for the vast majority of our time with like wood and the CNC router, rarely it'd be like a crossover of like somebody that typically works in other materials right an engineer for like some company and they give us like some specification that's like really rare but and then we would have to like usually have to walk it back and go well we can't do that on wood you know yes. i can't do five thou plus or minus and we get to a place where we're both comfortable but then we would be you know pretty careful about that i've never provided a certification of oh, no, tolerances no or anything way. like that until we started doing a couple zometry jobs and then luckily andy was yeah. here and he was like here's how you do these because i was like i have no idea qa usually involves no. like quality of edges for us and surfaces look good and yeah yeah no i don't yeah like obviously we're not neither of us are in a position where we'd be like doing any sort of certification but like I suppose maybe it's just a distrust of mach of the machines, but like when I was machining stuff, I would often just like walk over to the machine with the calipers and like stick calipers in hole, depth check, rebates, like throw a tape measure on things, like 
in quite a sort of distrustful way of like, what is, you know, oh, what's it actually machining? And exactly just like, oh, what yeah, I do, yeah. It's doing as expected. Cool, cool, cool. There's that great line. I think it was from the bomb of like trust but verify, which <laughs> has become a bit of a staple here in team meetings of like trust the process but still verify it, like double check. And I think that's how I like to machine parts is. Yeah. yeah. It's been interesting. What's what's fun about the mill for me anyway, from coming from the router is you can stop it pretty often. Like you could stop a router at any time and move it and verify, but I, I have a different sense of, I guess it's an urgency because like usually the hold down vacuum is running probably cause it's loud to some degree, you know, like you hear it, it's using a lot mm-hmm. of energy. If you turn it off, the part's going to move and be in a different position, potentially all that kind of stuff that like, it feels yeah, different yeah. than how, like, when you fixture something mechanically in a mill and you open the door and you can just, like, let it sit there till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It's a different feeling, for sure. I know I people get into, like, growth no, of, of heat and all that stuff, but our, our room keeps it pretty consistent for what we need it to do. Yeah. That is, that is nice. Mm. Yeah, I totally know what you mean about the vacuum. Like, this a sense of urgency is like, right... Let's just get this sheet done. Don't pause it. Don't look at it too hard. <laughs> Something might move. <laughs> Speaking of, I, this has been widely told, but I don't know if you heard this. My friend Nick Polonowski, who I message with a lot, he has a machine shop in Florida, and he bought a new Daytron this year. And I know he listens to this, so not to make fun of his his expense, but just because he's told it so often that it's very expensive, you know, multi hundred thousand dollar machine. And he was machining this big flat piece, a very thin piece of aluminum, I think. And he didn't look at the last few digits on like, it's like 6061 T611 T11, or I don't know what that, I don't even know. I haven't gotten that far down that list, but apparently that means that like has more stress in it. So he, re- while it was still vacuumed down on the Datron, it, it released so much stress. It popped up into the spindle jacked the tool holder up and welded it to the spindle within like i think it's the second day he had it and like who expects that like it's so crazy but he ended up replacing it and it was expensive but yeah wild just to think about yeah i feel sick i have to go for a walk now (laughs) sorry nick on it again feel your pain right welded the tool holder into the Spindle like the, the faces welded together, I think. The bottom of the spindle and the... <laughs> they're just a tiny little thing, too, because it's, like, really high yeah. speed. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Rough. Frightening. My my machining, I posted a few on Instagram, but um, mm, making great progress. I don't know how... We're looking at a potato camera, probably. I don't know how clear this is. But we've got all potato, the... Potato, potato, potato. looks great. Feature... This potato looks great. Yeah, it works pretty well. This wasn't even, this is the old, old fork, obviously, because it's been sitting on my yeah. desk. But Did you make that fork? Yeah, yeah we cool. make the forks too, which is pretty cool. But yeah. What I really appreciate, and I'm sure you can relate to, is like, versus making other people's parts, in the same day I made, you know, it took me like roughly, you know, it wasn't a day of machining. It was like a little back and forth, like, oh, I should change this. I made this one and then realized after we got some stock in that, I could make it a little bit thinner and then not have to upgrade stock sizes. 
didn't really affect anything, but I just like went and changed the parameters, updated the cam, made this like 10 minutes later. <laughs> so I still have to do the ends, but that whole like DFM for your own par- products is such a nice little like, uh, you know, like, so oh, good. I didn't make it a whole lot of these yet, but I can change it right now. Yeah. Rapid prototyping. Yeah. So good. It's been fun. How are you doing the backside champ? Uh, it's four setups, unfortunately, but yeah. working on pallets. Yeah, I don't know how else you would, because you need to face both sides, or I, I want to face both sides. Working on like a pallet one and done setup for this part and then the base plates. The base plates one's basically cool. done. I just need to make it, because I don't really have a way to cut those long, skinny parts otherwise. They're like long, Ooh. flat parts that go underneath, but these I want to make one pallet that can fit every position so then every time you run yeah, it nice. you're getting like a finished part I haven't started that one yeah, yeah cool yeah off off extra dreams for you uh-huh yeah it's taken me a while but i am enjoying the palette fixture design process it's not something i've done a whole lot mm. some but not the same it's different like for your router stuff obviously yeah it's cool you tried out the rhino 8 work in progress Potentially. Yeah, dude. I had a moment of frustration <laughs> in the wake of Rhino 7 just being that little bit too laggy. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was further brought to my attention because Laura's been shopping for a new laptop this week. She's had a Surface, Microsoft Surface, for about seven years. She's finally replacing it. Yeah. I've been jokingly trying to talk her into getting a MacBook all week, and she's been. Very resistant, continuing to shop around for plasticky Windows laptops. But in my moments of like teasing her and like trying to get her to buy a Mac, I was like, at the same time, I was quietly frustrated. Like, come on, Rhino, this is annoying. (laughs) And so I had a quick look around on the forums and uh, saw some people talking about this test metal command that's available in Rhino 8. Have you tried it? Yeah. Test metal thing. Looked it up again. I I used it months ago, and it was okay. not very good for my experience. But that was months ago, and I see they just updated it three days ago. So well, that was good timing of me. Yeah, so, yeah. I've been running Rhino Eight for a couple of days. It's only crashed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's crashed anymore. Well, maybe a little bit more buggy, but way faster response rate. Is it in the uh, interface? Yeah. Yeah. Way I kept having laggy. problems where the screen would turn black or something. Like I would like zoom in, you know, like when you get like annotations in front of the screen, it would like kind of do that. But uh, like yeah. out of nowhere, all of a sudden it would just be like black screen. And I was like, I can't, this is not benefiting me enough at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I know I, I get that feeling too of like, <sighs> I want to recommend people, you know, and I've made these videos about using M1. Mm. So people like somebody asked me, you know, there'll be a comment on one of those videos over a couple of days, and some student it's like, I'm going into industrial design school and I'm gonna use Rhino and SolidWorks. Do you recommend me to use my <laughs> M1 Air? And I was like, probably not. That I don't know. Like, if you have that computer, <laughs> use it. Don't go buy some crazy yeah. thing. Like, but it's I don't know. It's frustrating for sure. Like I, they're so yeah. good performance wise, like we're a broken record about this, but then you hit the two programs we use every day and it's like, 
Hurt. Yeah. I'm going to take all your RAM. Yeah, I was talking to Josh during the week because we've it's hot lap season here, which is our quarterly sort of staff reviews. And we're doing Josh's the other day and talking computers. It's a question in the hot laps about like, what do you need from the business so you can perform it sort of the next level? Computers. We got on the topic of computers and I was like, you're, you remember there's a, there's a laptop in the budget for you coming up in a month or so. And I was joking that it's a M1 Pro and Josh is quite resistant to that idea. And then he's like, how, hang on, how much is, how much is an M1 Pro? It's like three grand. Yeah. Minimum. And he immediately, he was like, right. Like if you spent that on a desktop, you'd get the, and just like quite excited by the potential graphics card or whatever. Yeah. That you get in a, a PC desktop for that money. So yeah. He doesn't need a laptop either for his job. So we might look at a PC desktop for that. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, I, it's been an interesting experience. I haven't had that many people. I'd say it's now split about 50-50 of people that have no interest in Mac. And then, you know, a couple have. And we do have two, two Macs and three PCs. One, like, ancient tower PC that's just sitting in the shop at the moment doing nothing. But, it's yeah, it's interesting because it's, like, if you throw that at somebody that doesn't use it or like it, it it's kind of like giving them the wrong hammer for the job, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, they're just yeah. going to suck at it and not like it and be, yet, and be mad at you. <laughs> I'm glad you're like us. You've got more computers than people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, got to use one for one task at a time, right? <laughs> Well, truth be told, that was the computer. My left is was somebody's, and then I just don't have enough people at the moment for it. So it it yeah. currently sits yeah. and prints labels for us. That's what it does. Sure. What have you complicated this week? What have I complicated this week? That's a good. That was a good segue. I'll ruin it by talking about it. Um. <laughs> Oh, I think we kind of stemmed off. I wrote that down right after we chatted last time related to probably just the way like Airtable set up and like some discussion on about fusion potential features. And to me, it represented all of the suggestions by users were overcomplicating what was really desired. It was like, I want this one feature to be one click and it gives me this output. And there was all this like, oh, yeah. well, if you export this thing into this program, you can do it with this. And I was like, I, that's like, no, like, and I find that often with the way that we can create solutions with Airtable, like they're great, but, you know, like adding a product or it ultimately you get into this place where if something is too complicated, it, I just thought, is this just another waste? I guess it probably falls mm. into one of the other ones. It's either to the point where somebody can't do it if they haven't in, in a complicated situation, right? Like you, you either can figure it out or you can't, and it's going to either take you a long time <laughs> or you're mm. not going to get it done at all. And so that design of whatever system and process, to me, that's just a whole nother consideration. I suppose I already consider some of that, but it seems to need a priority of like, if we're going to do it, it can't be complicated. It can't like add to the time of getting the job done significantly, whatever that thing is. I don't know. I've just been finding that a lot with our Airtable stuff, I think, lately. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. We've definitely built a, a beast in Airtable that is quite unruly at times and overcomplicated. And maybe maybe this is just a defense, sort of a defense mechanism, but like when people question me about it, which I do get questions about it from the team. It's like, yes, I know it's too complicated, but we're trying to build a system that can cope with our revenue goals which are X and, you know, much higher Mm. than they currently are. We're trying to build a bigger, more complex system that can deal with a certain volume of orders and work. Right now it just feels too complicated and over-processed, but we kind of, I feel like we have to get to that point so that then we can work out how to lean it up again. Like we need to over-process so we can go, right, okay, what's important in this system we've built? Which bits of it do we actually need in order to operate effectively and then like pare it down again? So I feel like we're in that sort of expansion phase at the moment where we're just kind of building every idea and adding more and more ideas on top of each other. And then at some point we'll start to go like, cool, all right, let's just take that system that we've built and emulate that one and just draw those parts together and make this like beautiful lean system. If we'll, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, but that's kind of my thinking around it. That is, they've started to make things a little bit simpler to, I guess, like Redux, right? Like revise, like find, find and revise. Like it'll tell you what all the things when you go to edit something. Now is just playing around with something today. I was trying to make a mm. a simple like. This is the problem, right? I have an email template that sends. There's a couple fill in fields where I type in like. I need a courier to pick up this thing, bring it here. So it's like the wood supply vendor, bring me less than they will deliver and the courier, you know, will bring it. But I, yeah, it's all built around my email and my email system. So I was like, well, can I just build out Mm -hmm. a little automation through, you know, you type in a record line and it's exactly what we're talking about. It's like, I'm trying to simplify or make available to like Ricky to be able to do this or somebody else and make it repeatable and stuff that i don't have to remember to tell somebody but then ultimately i'm making this fairly complicated thing that is kind of forced into a system that's not very customizable if something needs to be changed Mm. and i as you were talking i guess the other thought i have is we keep talking about the idea of removing things instead of adding and then you talked about how you're in the expansion phase and i like I think that's totally accurate, but I also have had this thought for a long time. Like, how do I remove and simplify our main Airtable bases? Can I, I want to like duplicate them, only parts of them, and start yeah. over in a new one. But like, yeah. I don't know if that's possible, you know, without like <laughs> rebuilding everything specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the best approach to that either. Like, yeah, my, default is you know with my to-do list is to start over and build a fresh one on a, somewhere else in a clean base or in a clean program <laughs> new new and i would probably apply a similar logic to Airtable if i had to sort of start from scratch and rethink it yeah yeah i don't yeah we're not yet in that removal phase i don't think with Airtable, but at some point we'll need to be like with i don't know a listener on the podcast had reached out about the product launch list that I'd mentioned. Mm. And he was like, oh, I'd love to see that. 
to set yeah. interests. Sounds like you you guys have worked it out. I was like, Proprietary. I sent a screenshot. Sent a screenshot of like, this is, you know, this is the list and this is why I find it overwhelming. And he was sort of, you know, it's a huge list. Yeah. But then he was, he was saying, you know, like, why don't you guys sell your Airtable as a template? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've thought about it. Same. Yeah. We we wouldn't want to support it in any way. Yes. But there is potential that we could, you know, give it to someone as a sort of a jumping off point. I've made videos. You've made videos too, but like made blog posts and like share different bits of it. And we've talked about this Mm. before. It's, it's easy to share parts and. They've tried to make it so you can templatize things. I think some of it's naivety and you figure out how to add stuff on to this beast of an air table. But then, like we're saying, it's hard to remove things from that or to simplify it in a way. And the only thing I've ever thought of, I've said this before, I think here too, to show how I built or to give what I've we've made which is good in like all these different ways. There's definitely junk and detritus that doesn't work, but would be to like make a, make a course or a recorded thing where it's like, here's these different segments. Here's how they interrelate because everybody's going to need a little bit different thing. Oh yeah. And while it's flexible, a lot of the interrelating automations will just implode if you start to change too much out of them. (laughs) So Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it's that feasible, honestly, at this point. Nah, it'd be nice if they yeah. could do that. But. Yeah. What's stable diffusion? I haven't played with it too much, but I think it was a podcast I was listening to. Was that, you know They were talking about Dolly and different versions of these technologies that's like rapidly evolving right now. And the stable diffusion one came up. I don't honestly remember what was unique about it, but I was like, oh, this is related to what we've been talking about. It seems just like another version of what is already out there. Oh, I know. The other thing that was interesting about this AI discussion was this was on Cortex, which is CGP Gray and Mike Hurley. And they kind of just talk about random technology things and their interests. And okay. they were talking about Dolly and. uh, stable diffusion this other one i don't remember there's like three or four now and i guess like one of the hosts was really against the whole idea that like it's you know it's going to replace jobs okay sure that's gonna happen with technology and then they basically stumbled down this like article that somebody had found live on the show of (laughs) how this dead artist's work had basically been recreated and modified and used extensively in creating these other images that were published through mm. these creation algorithms, but they were really not that far off. Like I know Dolly's ethics statements are, you know, we are not going to recreate people, right? Likenesses of real people. And this was even on John Oliver. Did you watch that at all? The last week tonight? The cabbage. Yes. Did you see the cabbage? Yeah. I saw the cabbage. Yeah. yeah. And how like one of these AI softwares has allowed you to like basically recreate people's likenesses, right? So it's like they're getting so good. I think some of the stable diffusion discussion was like, these are so good. They're basically impossible to tell what's real and what's fake anymore. Wow. (laughs) It's just wild. 
Yeah, well, I had a, a bender of a first week in Dali this week. <laughs> it's great fun. <laughs> Got access. I think I have, I, you know, it's been fun watching you use it and you have sent, excitedly sent me photo too, dumps too of, many of them. images in Slack, which I've, you know, has entertained me, but I don't think I got it until I got to use it. Like, I don't think I fully understood. And it was your talk of the sticker that tipped me over the edge, <laughs> the baby pants sticker, when you said you'd made that in Dali. I was like, oh, right. You know, you'd have to pay an illustrator to make a thing like that if you weren't capable of drawing in that style. Yep. And exactly. so yeah. jumping in this week, I was like, right, wow, okay, this is actually... A bit of a game changer for certain things, and I blew my month's credits in about 48 hours. <laughs> you can see all these yeah. random things over the lunch table, <laughs> which was greatly entertaining as well. New yeah. prison tattoos for the staff. But, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I don't. I was talking to my mum about it. She's a visual artist, printmaker. I was showing her, and she was a bit blown away. And we're talking about it. I don't, you know, I don't feel like it risks poses any risk to an art practice because it's just another tool but if i was a you know an illustrator or a graphic designer i, would, I think i'd feel threatened by its abilities for sure but I, at the same time is it just another tool that you just have to get good at using and just becomes part of your tool set i don't know i can't remember i think i've said in some version of this but after playing around with it like you said it your eyes kind of your mind starts to think about it like i started to think like if any of you have noticed i make a lot of the chapter images with dolly <laughs> like whenever i just have a thought about how to create what would be interesting related to this thing i'll type it in just for my curiosity yeah. but yeah that's kind of how i got into making the pants man was just endless it was one night my wife and i were watching something and we were like severance on tv and i was just like laughing endlessly at the i mean there are a lot of <laughs> hilarious ones i can probably share some of them and yes, i guess my the, the, to finish my thought on that the thing that it immediately started to generate for me in the past you know weeks since then have been i've literally legitimately thought i would love a version of this to create 3d models of rote things that i don't want to spend time to like like model myself like i want a model yeah of, yeah you know what? and that's gotta be something you know that is something i've thought about and then videos just like short videos stock footage and that was the other thing that mike and and cgp gray talked about is like this is going to completely replace the stock photo market like you're not going to need it anymore yeah. so you just saying footage like stock footage just made me think have you read that William Gibson book, Pattern Recognition. It sounds familiar. One of my favorite books. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's about the creation of video footage and people not being able to tell if it's real or mm. made from scratch. And I won't spoil it, but yeah, it's always been a really intriguing idea to me, you know, because I used to make short films and animations and stuff. So I've always been interested in creation of visual assets, particularly video photography but that i love 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 that space where you can't tell whether something's real or not like that used to be my whole sort of shtick with photography was like trying to create cg effects but with no cg involved in photography 
Yeah. And not being able to tell if it was computer generated or not. As always, my interest with renderings, like I never got, yeah. I mean, in school, I would get really into making some, which I would never, like rendering a whole building in a cityscape is one thing. And I was somewhat interested in that. But as you can tell by what I'm doing now, I'd always be like, let's make a desk and make that rendered really well in a scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's how I got like, that would always be my interest. And I, it, it's always flattering and fun when somebody has no idea that it's a rendering. Like, oh, where'd you take those photos at? And it's like, oh, that's just a render. You know, like, <laughs> it's always nice. Yeah, I get the opposite questions too of like, wow, how are you rendering these? These look really good. Are you using Fusion? It's like, oh, that's a photo. <laughs> I think because I've mixed things up a little bit on my Instagram yeah. and there's a few renderings sprinkled in here and there. You've won. Throw people off the scent. Nobody yeah. has any idea anymore. And it's, it's <laughs> kind of, I guess, more, I don't know. I'm not worried about it necessarily, but this the progress in these things does ne- does make me think, like, you know, sim- maybe there'll be a zometry, right? For like, maybe zometry will have a version of an AI generator. It's like, you know, I need these parts and it will both generate them for you and say, you know, in half an hour, it'll 10 minutes or five minutes or maybe like really fast to be 60 seconds. It'll generate the whole model and say, we'll make this for you in two days, you know, out of <laughs> stainless steel. And you're like, oh, God, that's crazy. And all of the design <laughs> was taken out. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe. Who else? I'll what have you top been? Top up my coffee real quick. Yeah, sure. What's it? Ready for the foley? Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's coffee time. What have you been? Thank is there anything God. you've been researching that this last week that's yeah. unique, different? Com- compost. Compost. Make any progress? Um, had some good research time. Just you know, trying to learn about how it's done and look at different ways of doing it. It was really just a YouTube deep dive one early morning over a lot of coffee, taking notes on temperatures and yeah. But yeah, I'm at the point now where I just need to start cutting up a few of those black tubes and mm. get some test batches running. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be my job next week, I think, is make a little... No, I'm not going to bother making a rig to cut it. I was going to say I need to make a rig to be able to cut the tube, but I'm just going to hack it up initially. Like a, just get a circular like saw. and just, uh, Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, how do you cut that? Cut some tube. <laughs> Make a whole I think rig ultimately I'll make some sort of rolling rig with a, a fixed blade and you can just like a giant tube cutter. It obviously needs to be, because you're going to need to rotate these, you know, right? And so in your yeah. whole method of being as energy efficient as possible, you need a stationary bike that people take turns riding <laughs> that helps to spin the wheel. Sure, yeah. The huge gear reduction. You pedal for ten minutes and it like surrounds the whole yeah. bike. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, that's about it for me this week. Yeah, All compost research and starting to think about that. Yeah, what about you? I've been researching a lot of machining things. Luckily, asking friends most of it. But like, I was I've never used a reamer before. Have you Have you ever used a oh, reamer? Yeah. As far yeah. as I understand, they're like a really accurate way to make a hole to the proper di- a diameter is like 
It's yeah. strange to me still. A high-speed steel <laughs> drill is very inaccurate. Like, it may hit the hole right, yeah. but it can wander at the bottom. It'll wobble. So, like, I was trying to make these pins at the bottom here. These are alignment holes. And I just used, I spot drilled them, then drilled them with a drill and put gauge pins in. And they're, like, what, three or four thousandths larger than they should be. Which doesn't seem like much, but it makes it not so aligned. (laughs) Not that I'm, like, super concerned, but the point would be that it's not wobbling around on people, which would make you less sure of its alignment i suppose must have a bit of tolerance though right with those things like the position of the tool holder yeah it's got a fair bit of grace right oh for sure yeah and the top isn't yeah. perfect either but i like to start i like my foundation to be good at least yes no no totally so you reaming before no that's just for the index pins you're not reaming before tapping that's just for the no. positional no nope. yeah yeah okay gotcha i did i did the tapping i'd never form tapped blind holes before so that was pretty exciting on the top of these and Ooh. every time it happens i started the cycle for that like it changed the tool and it's on optional stop and it just like that machine rapid so fast i'm, I'm sitting there holding feed hold and and it, i was like oh well I'm, you know i just gotta let it go and then i had cranked the feed rate down just normally running through yeah. everything i keep it real low but it's like is it gonna take over and like adjust to 100 percent, or is that going to screw up the twist and like and and so i just cranked it to 100 reels quick and it was fine because you can't tell at all it's covered in coolant you have no idea if it breaks until it's basically (laughs) done but they both were great so every time i just like pray that i calculated it right how much did you spend on that mill to buy directly it's valid like roughly twenty five thousand is the number that it's equivalent to yeah, well. the truth about the whole like you buy the machine and you can very easily spend as much as the machine. I guess in this case, if it was new, it was supposed to be 70,000, probably half of the machine's value in accessories and, and like work holding and tooling. Like totally Definitely. true. Yep. It's absurd how fast yep. it goes. Very crazy. Uh, so it is a $70,000 machine. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. It's crazy how fast I, I had to get a new air compressor. <laughs> no, no, no. But if you went and bought one new, how much would it be? It was 70000 in 2015. So I don't yeah, know okay, cool. what the equivalent is now. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. No, it's, I was thinking yesterday about just all that I've heard about different machines. And, like, it's just so capable. I'm so, like, lucky that I got it for a good deal from... Mm. a friend slash client that like i've definitely not taken advantage of its of its it's mostly been sitting there and i felt stupid about that but like now that i'm finally getting into like making real things that we can sell like it feels awesome like we're so excited to like just be be running things rather than like testing things yeah that's awesome yeah very cool well i still want one one day i'll get a mail yeah I bet you're similar to me that, like, I knew I wanted it when it was offered, but I, I kept, we kept having this discussion here of, like, what would we do with it? Like, trying to make a business case for it. And in yeah. some regards, it kept being, like, I guess we have to get it and play with it? Because, like, nobody could think of any products to make or, like, you know, we didn't have experience making job shop parts. And it's that's a whole other competitive game than wood parts. And yeah, yeah. honestly, it took me 
I want to say close to a year before I really started to think like, oh, I could make these parts as a product and this machine could do it. That's a tough sell up front, right? To throw down that kind of money. Absolutely. Yep. What would you, do you have thoughts of what you would get one for other than experimenting? No, I'm I'm in the same boat. I've never been able to come up with a business case for one. It's more just, it just feels like the next logical thing that I'd like to learn. Really? I like learning new things and that feels like the next adventure. I agree with that. Um, True. Yeah. yeah, no, I've got no, I think I've, I've only ever come up with one part that I've thought about, but yeah, realistically, it would just be a matter of experimentation and seeing what, what came out, but. Yeah. Yeah. But on the timber machining side of things, we are about to max out our capacity. We've got obviously two two routers plus the pencil sharpener. And we've got a job that's about to start that I worked out on Thursday is nine hours of sorry, nine weeks of machine time on one machine. Wow. Yeah. And so we have to work out how we're going to schedule all our other work around that because I think we've got six weeks to finish the job. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> two machines running flat out, it would be four and a half weeks, but we don't have – we've got a lot of other stuff to do as well, so we can't just dedicate two machines to it. So. I suspect we might have some split shifts or yeah. extra days of machine time coming up to deal with that. We did a similar job about a year ago for the same client, and I think I ended up just coming in on a few, about a month's worth of weekends and just running it all. But that job was about half the size of this one. So. Well, wow. We'll see. That's mm. crazy. Mm. We've the only time we ever really had a problem like that, we had just moved into this shop. There was two and a half people, including myself. We had piled all this stuff in here and it was like barely organized. We're trying to build a room, you know, like all the final moving stuff. And I had a call from what turned out to be one of our best clients. It was like a movie production company and they needed all these wooden parts made for their sets, basically. And I thought he was joking when he told me how many at first. I was like, yeah, whatever. Sure. No way. <laughs> I don't believe. I'm just like, okay, I'll send you a quote. And then like accepted it and paid the deposit in like 12 hours after that. And, and I was like, I had agreed basically like we could finish it in a certain amount of time, like a couple weeks. <laughs> so that was insane because we basically were trying to like, A, we didn't have a forklift. So it was like a hundred sheets of plywood figured out how to unload it, get it into the space that there was like no room for it. Also figuring out how yeah. to move them on, you know, shuffle parts around and learned a lot from that experience. But we definitely did some kind of like half night shifts. It's kind of like somebody would come in yep. later in the afternoon and then work till like 10 PM. But yeah, that's what we'll probably end up doing too. I think extending the day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, it's an interesting one where, like in all our sort of business development we've done over the last year, we've sort of identified, started to identify what our sweet spot is in terms of a job, what a job looks like. 
Mm-hmm. And this, whilst it's awesome to have you know, a big job with lots of machine time, it's definitely not our ideal <laughs> job in terms of maintaining like good production flow and consistency. Like we've got, it's there's 700 sheets in this and we've got half of those sitting on our floor already. What? And they've been here for like four weeks now because the client delayed completing the files for about four weeks. That pushes out the timeline, so, man. <laughs> oh, it absolutely pushes out the timeline, no doubt, but it also <laughs> happy to push out the timeline. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've also had 350 sheets of plywood sitting Oh my god! on the floor waiting for this job to drop and with another 350 incoming from the supplier whenever we can manage to fit them in. So, Is it like 18 mil? Yeah. Yeah. So that's 15 or 16 lifts of material. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's 24 packs or something. Wow. Silly. But yeah. No. Good Good for spindle up time, but definitely not ideal in terms of smooth production. This is why I've always felt like I was bad at the job shop world was I have the same reaction as well as like, We've rarely win those kind of jobs. And, you know, you always just hear about, you know, the more you can run one job or one side up, the more profitable it is. Mm. And all these kind of like mantras around spindle up time, yeah, and, you know, yeah. all those things. And <laughs> you describing that, yeah, you might be the first person I've ever heard besides myself that's like, yeah, I don't know. We don't like those jobs. <laughs> you know, they're not as <laughs> like, they're not as, it's probably more emotional, I think, in a business owner sense of like, Sure, the money is good, but it also puts a stress on if you're not ready for it, you're not built for it. Like, yeah, it's hard to. The morale can suffer. I mean, when we went through that one huge job or every time those jobs would come through, I completely give credit to like the whole team was always like stoked to do it because it was a great job for us and it was cool to work on those projects. Mm. And so we'd always fly through it, which is cool and find ways like we like. I think it was 30% of the original cut time for a sheet that we awesome. figured out how to like, you know, run it down to. So, yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, that side of it can be great. Like finding efficiencies and yeah, there's something exciting too about a big bush. Like if you can sort of get on board with it and not let it be a chore, but let it sort of, sort of tap into the excitement of that, then it can be a positive thing too as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just realized I haven't, I mean, I think I told my wife, but I decided to not go to IMTS because just money, it's just a lot to like go yeah. and be away. And we're also kind of like in the heat of trying to get a couple products out, but I have incredible FOMO just like <laughs> constantly everybody talking about all, you know, on podcasts or like the discord that just everybody talking about what they're going to go look at. And I do not need to buy anything. <laughs> which is also a good reason to not go. But I'm just yeah. like constantly thinking like, oh, man, I wonder if I can make that work. Probably should. Don't do it. Like, it just sounds like a ton <laughs> of fun. Like after having met a bunch of people in the UK and it just kind of sparked that desire to see people, see cool stuff again, since it's been so long, like opened up the floodgates of yeah. thinking about all these cool things. So yeah, trying to tamp that yeah. down. Sounds like a good call. But I understand. Toys. Yeah. yeah I'd, love, I'd, 
I'd love to go to one one day. It sounds like they're just ridiculously huge. Yeah. I mean, the only version I've gone to is the one, the AWFS in Vegas, which is, I would not consider that enormous in terms of a show. Okay. So it's, it's compared to what I've heard about like emo and IMTS, where it's like there's sub basements of things yeah. as well as multiple floors and like seemingly miles of <laughs> other things that you can see there too. So yeah, it'd just be cool. I mean, I, I think I could manage to not buy something significant because money, but I could also see buying a bunch of small things on, you know, like little like work life <laughs> yeah. benefit things yeah. that also I probably don't need to be buying right now. <laughs> no, I think you've made the right call. Yeah. Stay home and hustle. Get yeah. The out the door. It's not fun, but it works. It works to make money. Yeah. Good. All right, so I, one more thing. Show app corner. I saw off of some YouTube video. It's kind of like how I found all those Mac apps before, but it's this app called Shotter that's for taking screenshots on Mac specifically. So sorry, all you Windows people. But it's speaking of the benefits of M1, this app is made for it, and it is absurdly fast to take a screenshot, edit okay. it. And it's like, you know, all these things, they seem kind of, silly and nuanced at first i was like why don't you just use the built-in one but then you see like what you can do with it um it does have text recognition which is kind of cool or like qr codes so you don't even need that other one i've been using the text sniper it does that for you call outs and like you can measure pixels on the screen between things which probably not super useful unless you're doing marketing or graphic design but it's just really really fast which i've kind of had a gripe with the i use green shot before and then just the preview grab thing in, in Mac has been slow. So it's free. And uh, you can also plot colors and you can blur or remove cool. text like AI style. Sweet. It's, I'll check it's it out. pretty nifty. I've already installed it. So yeah. <laughs> I'll report back. <laughs> it's done. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Just hold the line, listeners, while Jim noodles around trying out a new program <laughs> on air. <laughs> Live product reviews would be terrible. <laughs> God. Oh, I can't get the box uh, open. Okay, it's not working. 1101-1816 is the item number on this one. And the nice thing about these practice katanas... Oh! Oh, that hurt. Oh, that hurt big time. A piece of that just... The tip just got me, Odell. Oh, that got me good. You all right? A piece of that tip just got me. Oh, right now, we uh, may need emergency surgery in the studio. Justin, how do you do this? <laughs> you may find this interesting. I think I got a YouTube ad for Vention, and I didn't sign up to do it, but they have some type of like online manufacturing process builder. So you can like design a system to do robotics or they have all these different examples machine tending palletizing and i guess it from their examples it looks like it's like a 3d building space in the browser so you can like use extrusions and put a robot arm in and then it says a cart total i guess at that point too which is pretty Mm. crazy so i i was thinking you may maybe there's like a process that you've been dreaming of that i don't know related to the pencil sharpener with like the pencil box or uh, I don't know. Just thought it was an interesting little tool. Oh, cool. 
Oh, wow. Floor layouts? Build, this like, is cool. Process lines? Yeah. Wow. Fancy. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I thought I could just play with it. And then I was like, sign up. And I was like, uh That's pretty cool. I don't know what it is, but it looks cool. Yeah, right. I have the same feeling. Did you ever play that game Factorium? Now I will. News game? Tor- oh, sorry. Factorio. Sounds fun. I played a lot of like roller coaster tycoon. I, I had a lot of fun with this for a few weeks. Do you build factories? Yeah. Oh my. This is like the most like capitalist thing in the world. <laughs> Pretty much. But other than those shopkin toys for kids. Or the whole premise is <laughs> they just go shopping. What in the no, world? It's a, very, it's a very fun game. Those are crazy Obsessed. images. Oh, you already did it. Durr. Durr. I have. There's too many things. It feels like it's been a long time since what? we talked, but it's just been a week. I don't know why. I was reminded of my favorite podcast episode. And I don't remember. Don't hold me to this. If it's like appropriate for today's audiences. Like, you know, how like sometimes in the past, old things are like, say things that we wouldn't say today. But it just has a good yeah. memory for me. It's from the podcast. You look nice today. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nuanced. But there's this one episode. And it may not be funny, I suppose, if you haven't heard the rest of them. But it's called Baby on a Dog. I don't know if by me explaining it's going to make it funny. But I'll put it in the show notes. You can listen to it. It's it's basically the experience of going to the most awkward restaurant you could imagine. And like what that would be like. And they describe it. And anyway, it's, it's, all, okay. it's, a, it's a humor podcast. A lot right. of improv. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Let's check it out. But I should probably go. I didn't. I was intending to get some good R and D time this morning, and then I got here late, and now I'm going to do it anyway. Screw cool. the good screw the diary. Screw, screw the default diary. Who needs that? <laughs> um. Yeah. Go and do some R and I'm going to go duck hook around the pencil shop now. Oh, fun! Nice. See you. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Did you do any dolly about the pencil sharpener yet? Yeah, I tried, yeah. It was very confused.